You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What a world! Welcome to another episode of The Ocho, presented to you in partnership, as always, with SB Nation's blog and theboys.com. My name is RJ Ochoa. You know me, of course, from BTB and from Riders, your humble host on The Ocho. It is Thursday, the third day, December 15th, 2022. We hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy. And before we continue any further, I am going to remind you that The Ocho is presented to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, the jerky that helps fuel our 10 and 3 Dallas Cowboys. That is correct. Righteous Felon Jerky and Biltong are available for Cowboys. Cowboys players at the Ford Center training facility. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, Biltong 32, and each meat stick appropriately has ocho grams of protein. If it's good enough for the Cowboys, it has got to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon uses locally sourced all-natural black Angus beef and prides itself on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BTB15 and check out to get 15% off of your order. That is discount code BTB15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. RighteousFelon.com. Trust me, you will thank me later. It is the most delicious jerky in the world. All right. The Cowboys won last week. We've moved on. All right. Said everything we had to say. We're moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who, if the Dallas Cowboys defeat on Sunday afternoon, it will be a playoff team. That is correct. We uh, went over the playoff clinching scenarios for the Cowboys over at bloggingtheboys.com this week. There's some complications as far as other paths for Dallas to uh, to be a playoff team. Some involve uh, Dallas tying this week. I think we all think that that's unlikely. Granted, there have been two ties in the NFL this season. Um, if the Seahawks lose and the Lions lose, the Cowboys clinch a playoff berth. If the Seahawks lose and the Commanders lose, um, then the Cowboys clinch a playoff berth. I talked about this with Chris Halling on Instagram Live on Wednesday. And so I don't know how, how likely those things are, but if the Cowboys win, I mean, if you want it to be super simple straight up, if the Cowboys win, they are a playoff team. And that is just this week. Obviously, uh, there are four weeks left in the regular season, so that means there will be more opportunities for the Cowboys if they do not clinch a playoff spot this week for them to do so. Um, we've gone over this many times, but in case you are somehow unaware, the Dallas Cowboys are not out of the NFC East race. Um, if the Eagles lose any game, the Cowboys control their own destiny. And by any game, I mean um, any non-Cowboys game. We're all hoping, obviously, that the Cowboys beat the Eagles next Saturday on Christmas Eve. But even if we assume that happens, and that's a very difficult thing in and of itself, but even if that happens, Dallas still needs the Eagles to drop another game. The Eagles visit the Chicago Bears on Sunday afternoon at the same time that the Cowboys are in Jacksonville. The Eagles will host the New Orleans Saints and the New York Giants in the final two weeks of the regular season. So they have to lose one of those three games and lose to the Cowboys at least 
and the Cowboys have to win out uh, for Dallas to win the NFC East and subsequently take the number one seed in the NFC. But we'll worry about all of that as it continues to unfold. Just wanted to make sure you are updated. This week we are focusing on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Jaguars kind of one of those teams that I think we all sort of pay attention to, but you know they're not a Tiffany brand of the league. And so um, they sort of fly a little bit under the radar. But the Jaguars are, are picking up some steam. Trevor Lawrence is playing very well as of late. Doug Peterson has them technically alive. I mean, they are technically in the playoff picture, which is something that I discussed with our guest today, JP Acosta, one of my great friends and great colleagues here at SB Nation. JP does a great job of covering the entire NFL for us at SB Nation, uh, but he does support the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so we talk about that, his Jaguars fandom, how he views this game, uh, what the Jaguars do well, how the Cowboys can maybe take advantage of that, what the Cowboys need to do to win. And because JP does have an eye on the entire league as a whole, he gives us his thoughts and his assessment on the current Cowboys, what they're doing, what they could be doing better, so on and so forth. Uh, so let's go ahead and get to it from SB Nation. Here is JP Acosta right here on the Ocho. Pleased to be joined by the one, the only, the legendary, world-renowned chef. You see him and hear him all throughout the SB Nation universe. He has joined me on the SB Nation NFL show many, many, many times. From SBNation.com, it is the one and only JP Acosta. JP, thank you so much for joining us here at Blog and the Voice. Thank you for having me. This is a game where I initially I had a little bit of a bad vibe near like the beginning of the season. I'm like, oh, man, the Cowboys are coming to Jacksonville. This is going to be a blowout. But now I'm like, oh, this this might be a pretty fun one. So um, when you joined SB Nation, I was so excited because you're so talented. But I was also pumped because you're a Jaguars fan. Um, there aren't a lot of you. You know, like, like I, I don't feel like I see it. I mean, I don't mean that in an insulting way, but I feel like, you know, throughout the like the, the proverbial like Twitter streets, you know, you see a lot of, of certain teams represented. There are not I can't think of another person who who kind of claims the Jaguars as their own the way you do. So it's actually pretty funny when I first joined Twitter and I first started getting like into sports media heavy. I just found all these Jaguars fans. And I get I think it's because of my writing at Big Cat Country. So I just start following everybody. Right. But I do definitely think I do definitely think there is a big there's a big Jaguars following on Twitter. We're like, like I said, they're kind of like one of the five biggest Twitter groups that you do not want to make angry. You want to be on the good side of Duval Twitter. It's like them, the Swifties, the Nicki Minaj stands, like BTS stands. Like you don't want to mess with Duval Twitter. So I'm glad to be a part of that community. I think it's so fun. It's so cool just being able to talk Jaguars football with all of them because it's it gets really fun. You um you left out Beyonce's hive. You know what I mean? Like you oh, included yeah. Taylor Swift fans. So that's that's like the the one that I exactly. Uh, Big Cat Country was kind of they they were one of the first SB Nation blogs I became like um a little bit more aware of. Obviously, besides BTB, um, uh, but I, I found BTB through like you know my Cowboys fandom. You know, Big Cat Country was just kind of this first like ah they're kind of cool. They're kind of interesting. Um, so who's your all time favorite Jaguar? Right before we get to this week's game, all time favorite Jaguar and why? My all-time favorite Jaguar is Maurice Jones-Drew. He is the player that I grew up idolizing. Fair. Like I said, I'm, I'm kind of a younger Jaguars fan. I really didn't, like, start consciously following following football until maybe I was, like, nine years old. So that was around the time. Fred Taylor, sure. uh, Maurice Jones-Drew, David Garrard. I have a Christmas ornament of all of them, like, celebrating together. And I've had that ornament since I was, like, nine years old. It is been there for almost 13 years, always hanging up on the tree. Um, but Maurice Jones-Drew has been my favorite play Jaguars player ever. Just for being such a small person, like 
he is such a good running back. And he was he was the reason that I wore 32 in high school. I was a defensive lineman, but I wore 32 because Maurice Jones Drew was my favorite player. So it's definitely MJD. Um, I really thought the 2007 Jaguars and MJD could upset the Patriots. I wanted that so badly. Um, and so, um, you know, we'll pour one out for, for that 07 team. Um, the Cowboys, I don't know if you know this, have never won in Jacksonville. Did, did you know that? I did not know that. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, you're a younger Jaguars fan, but the Jaguars haven't been around forever. I mean, obviously. Um, and Dallas has only played there once, actually. I don't know if you knew that. Um, so they've, they've technically visited the Jaguars twice, but the second one, the most recent one was in London in 2014. Um, so the only Cowboys game to ever happen in Duval County, uh, was the 2006 season opener when Byron Leftwich was still the quarterback before David Garrard supplanted him. That was T.O.'s debut as a Cowboy to kind of put in perspective how long ago that was. Um, do you remember the 2006 opener? I do not. I, I was <laughs> years old at that time. <laughs> like, okay. I was going okay. into like maybe first grade, so I had no okay. idea. Uh, well, this year's Jaguars are a long way removed. Um, Trevor Lawrence already better than Byron Leftwich ever was as the Jaguars quarterback. Maybe not David Garrard. Um, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, he's on his way, and like that, he's there now. Um, I mean, Trevor Lawrence has AFC Offensive Player of the Week, right? Actually, I saw right before we started recording. I mean, is this is this the best you've ever felt about Trevor Lawrence in the brief tenure that he has been the Jaguars quarterback? Absolutely. I think now with Doug Peterson, with the talent that they have around him, which still isn't this, this Jaguars team still isn't among one of the most talented skill position groups in the NFL. Like this is still like we're operating on like minimal efficiency here, but Trevor Lawrence is just so good is the process is now meeting up with the results. You know, Mm. like he always had good process last year, even through whatever we want to call last year's Jag Jaguars team where Urban Meyer's head coach. Now you're just seeing the results kind of catch up. And what stood out to me the most about the Titans game was just the efficiency with the throws he was making. There weren't a lot of turnover-worthy plays. There were, It was all just intermediate throws. It was field outs, end breakers. He threw one deep over or a deep post to Zay Jones that should have been a touchdown, probably also should have been pass interference, but he drops it right in a bucket. And the crazy part about it is Christian Kirk is open. Like, you can take the double if you want. I compare it, like I said, to baseball. You can take the double there if you want. But a home run is a lot better to get points on the board there. You want a home run more than you want a double. He took the home run shot, almost got it, and it it probably should have been caught. Even the touchdowns to Evan Ingram. Like, the process now is meeting up with the results, and it looks so much better. And you're – people are finally starting to see what Jaguars fans have always seen is that Trevor Lawrence is a really, really good quarterback. It's just now the results are adding up. Like I think this year he's last time I checked, he's 10th in EPA per play. He's among the top 10 in DVOA. And this is still, like I said, operating as Christian Kirk as your wide receiver one. And this was the Evan Ingram game. And Evan Ingram had maybe like 150 receiving yards. Evan Ingram really doesn't do that this year. Like, hey, let's, this is Evan Ingram we're talking about, but it's been so good just watching the development and watching him play now that the results are adding up. I do feel like we've sort of 
sang this song several times to the Jaguars, like, here they come, right? Like, and, and it's been like several iterations. It feels a little bit more real this time. And I think that's because um, it, there was such an obvious ceiling on Blake Bortles, right? There was such an obvious ceiling on, on like the whole operation, but like there's no ceiling on Trevor Lawrence. There's no ceiling on Doug Peterson. Like the two most important, you know, sort of elements of this entire process are, are limitless. And, and so that's really exciting. That was a little bit of shade towards Christian Kirk, who went to the greatest school in the world. I said that as a fight in Texas Aggie myself. Um, but th- like that story took on such a huge life that I do think people underrated the Evan Ingram signing. I do think that people undervalued Zay Jones. I do think that people kind of forgot about Travis Etienne coming back. And we're in December. So like all these things are like very well known at this point in time. But like the nucleus is very good. This isn't just like a one or two player operation. Yeah, no, I think this is a good amount of I think it's a good amount of number two and number three receivers that are coming together and making a really good offense. So I think a lot of it is due to Doug Peterson knowing what he has. And that's something you really didn't see last year. This We have a head coach who's actually an adult and actually knows how to run an NFL offense. And he knows what he's doing with the personnel that he has. Evan Ingram, as we all know, is really fast as a tight end. But instead of just having him run go routes all the time and running him deep, Doug Peterson is just running him away from people on the first touchdown. They ran that super long, like mesh play that every team runs in the NFL this year, where all the receivers from one side run the one side and the other receiver from the backside runs the other way. And it just basically clears out one side of the field. You're running that with Evan Ingram now, who's running away horizontally from a defender instead of running away vertically. It makes it a lot harder to defend. And now you're getting in a foot race with Evan Ingram. He's probably going to win that. But Christian Kirk, you're putting him in motions, putting him in bunches, getting him in the slot where he works his best. And then with Zay Jones and Marvin Jones, they are bigger outside guys. You're trying to find those guys in the red zone on third down over the middle. Marvin Jones has basically been Trevor Lawrence's favorite target on third and fourth down in the red zone. He's going to 11. But it just feels like a lot of supporting characters doing what they're doing, what they're supposed to be doing. They're able to develop. They're able to get in the right positions and Doug Peterson's pushing the right buttons on this offense. I'll be honest with you, JP, a little bit worried um, from a Cowboys perspective, obviously coming off the, the, you know, kind of barely win against the Houston Texans. Dallas can clinch a playoff berth with a win against the Jaguars and clinch one uh, a number of different ways, but obviously that's the the most, you know, cut and dry way to do it. And Dallas has a huge matchup next week on Christmas Eve looming against the Eagles. So it's very easy for the Cowboys to look past this game. And I don't think this is the kind of team you want to look past because they're kind of finding themselves. We talked, I mentioned on the SB Nation NFL show after the Ravens win like this. There's a lot of momentum building here. Do you view this as, as an opportunity? Like, I mean, I, I guess technically the AFC South is available. Like, is this like a is this the usual Jaguars December game of like, let's build on this for the future? Or is this like a hey, like we're in this race too? the Titans could totally slip up. Let's let's go ahead and like maximize every opportunity. And, and maybe we wind up as a division champion. So it's a very long shot. that The Jaguars make the playoffs. They have to win the division to make the playoffs. But right. If they if they end up beating Dallas, they their playoff chances jump up to like 30 percent. I think they need the Titans to lose out. So they go into week 18 with both teams being around seven and nine, eight and eight. I think the Titans would have to lose a couple of games to get to eight and eight. The Jaguars coming in seven and nine. The Jaguars would win that game. If the Jaguars beat the Titans on week 18, they would have the tiebreaker. They would win the division. Very weird of me saying that right now, the eight and nine Jaguars winning the division. I feel like if that happens, we can go ahead and build the statue of Doug Peterson outside of a TIA bank field, go ahead and build it now. But I do think this is a very interesting game for the Cowboys because like I said, this Jaguars team is finding out how to win and finding ways to win. And this is the perfect time to do it. 
for the Cowboys, it's very, it's very interesting. This does have kind of a feel of a trap game, especially with the Eagles kind of looming large, like in the background. But it's going to be really interesting to see how they come out, especially after the Texans game, where they kind of it felt like they kind of slogged along. They were a little sluggish. Mm-hmm. They're they were making self. It was a lot of self inflicted mistakes. And then it was kind of just like, oh yeah, we're the Cowboys. We have all these guys. We should probably win this game. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I do want to say, so playing around with 538's playoff simulator or, or projections and their projection tool if the Titans lose on Sunday to the Chargers, which I think we both probably think is happening, um, and let's give the, the Jaguars the win, and then let's say the Titans even beat the Texans um, next week, which is very likely, and then lose to the Cowboys, because you, you would need the Cowboys, obviously, to help you out after beating them. If the Jaguars just won these next three, Dallas at the New York Jets, at the Houston Texans themselves, they are the favorites to win the AFC South. Like, it's it's not impossible. Like, it's 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 like, you know, we're not like, you know, listing off a billion different things that would have to be, you know, that are inconceivable by any stretch. And I think that's what every Cowboys fan is kind of hoping on. They need the Eagles to lose. And so it's like if the Eagles lose to the Bears, you know, and the Cowboys beat the Jaguars, the next week you're playing for the division, for the one seat. Um, and and I don't know. I think people are kind of curious what Cowboys team is going to come out. And that's why, like, it's it's nerve-wracking to think about, you know, not just like the obvious when it comes to the Jaguars, but the Marvin Joneses, the Zay Joneses, because – Dallas has weaknesses on defense. Everyone talks about and knows, obviously, about Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence and Trayvon Diggs, but their secondary is beat up. I mean, they have Kelvin Joseph, who's been really disappointing as their other outside corner. Like, I would take any Jaguars receiver over Kelvin Joseph right now. Like, that's not a debate in my mind. And I I would take Trevor Lawrence to beat him. I mean, he got beat at different times by the Texans last week. And Amari Rodgers, like, he doesn't hold a candle to these Jaguars receivers. Like, this this does kind of smell like, you know, Dallas could drop it. But it also kind of feels like, that's where I wanted to get your take. Like the way I thought Philadelphia could have dropped that Green Bay game because they were coming off barely beating the Colts and having lost to the Commanders, but they came out and just kind of dug in and sent a message. I, I think we're either getting that game from the Cowboys or or like they're going to be you know one end of the spectrum, like super domination or an embarrassing loss. Do you agree with that? I definitely think so. I think the Cowboys coming into this game, it kind of feels like, hey, are they going to come out and kind of make the statement game that kind of like sends a message to Philly that hey 
next week we are playing for the division potentially. So it could be that kind of game or Dallas could come out real slow again. It's going to be on the road in Jacksonville. The crowd is going to be rocking. I had I know that for a fact. Uh, the field's going to be crazy. And it kind of feels like if Dallas comes out slow, this could be a game Jacksonville like takes takes at the end of the game. Like you said, what's the Cowboys recipe goes- then? Like, like what's what has to happen? Like for for every Cowboys fan, like what would be the like the the sort of way they play into into Jacksonville? Like what what would what would it take? Like does Jacksonville need to get out? Do they need to protect the lead? Like when are they at their best? So I think Jacksonville's at their best when the offense is just firing intermediate. It's all intermediate throws over the middle to the outside outside the field with the occasional shot mixed in. I think the bigger question is how will this Jaguars defense look? I think it looked it looked kind of well against the Titans, but they also benefited from three or four turnovers. And that's where the Jaguars defense works the best, getting turnovers. If you think about the two-week kind of like swoon into the national spotlight that the Jaguars took in the early beginning of the season, when being the Colts and being the Chargers, they forced turnovers. They got they caused havoc. Javon Walker had a strip sack and a fumble recovery against the Titans. I think that is the formula for the Jaguars. If they want to win this game. It's get out to, they only have to get out to a lead on offense. They, they were down 14, seven and seven, nothing to the Titans after Derrick Henry, like 50 yard runs. This was not a normal, like Jaguars win last week. Cause that Jaguars team would have folded after the first Derrick Henry big run. But I think the Jaguars defense really just needs to come up with turnovers. That is how they mm-hmm. operate the best. They are a very opportunistic team. If they if you try and get them in down to down where you're not turning the ball over, they're probably not going to make you pay. Javon Walker has a high ankle sprain in his day to day right now, right. so he may or may not play. So there goes a lot of your pressure, a lot of your stuff you can do. But for the Cowboys, just don't turn the ball over. Basically, just avoid the crucial mistakes. That kind of hasn't been their thing though, as of late, right? Like, and look, I love Dak Prescott. I'm very vocal about that. Um, had, you know, you can argue about why he was intercepted the two times he was against Houston. You can argue about, you know, his turnovers against the Colts. Certainly you can argue about thinking there was an offsides penalty against the giants, but like we're having to do a lot of explaining here to, to sort of come up with all of these Dak Prescott turnovers as of late. Um, a big factor for them was actually, uh, at the time we're recording this year, latest tweet was you sharing your Jalen Petrie, um, you know, sort of assessment, which not cool. JP, what the hell? I thought we were here to, you know, be friends and stuff. Um, but like, you know, I, I wouldn't count on that. Like, I hate that I can't count on that. What are your thoughts? Because you do cover the NFL as a whole for us at SB Nation. What are your thoughts and assessments on, on Dak, on the Cowboys as a whole? Like, are they that team that is capable of avoiding turnovers right now in your mind? I think the Cowboys is so weird because the Cowboys are so good when they just get out of their own way. Like, especially right. offensively. They have so many answers for what teams want to give you. If they want to, if teams want to load up and stop the run, they can have Dak firing on all cylinders. They have the guys on the outside to make them pay. If teams want to try and start defending the pass and want to play lighter boxes, they can beat you in the run game. But it just depends on, one, the health of the offensive line, who's going to be playing right tackle. Losing Terrence Steele is massive in the run game. He was a really good run blocker. Jason Peters will probably be playing right tackle for the first time in his career. And, like, I like Jason Peters, but I don't know how that's going to work because this is the first time he's done it, and he's 40. So, like, we'll see. It's just the Cowboys offense in general can be so good when they're just out of their own way. I think a lot of times there's a lot of 
mistakes where it's just receivers running the wrong route or it's just just receivers running the routes. It's miscommunications up front. I just keep going back to the Packers game and two of the Dak interceptions. One of them was on a double post where CD runs too close to uh, Dalton Schultz. Right. And the, the defender's right there. It's just small things like that. And in the NFL, a small mistake like that can be the difference between a touchdown and an interception, like we saw in that game. Um, a few years ago now, our, our friend here at Espionation, Michael Kist, uh, when Carson Wentz was on the Eagles, um, he tweeted, I think this is probably like a popular video that's used a lot on, on the internet. I had never seen it before, uh, but he was talking about Carson Wentz's brain and like how he like over processes. Um, and it was a video of some dude in like, like a like a mascot outfit playing the drum set but like i don't know if you've ever seen this video but he was i mean the the dude is like playing the drum set at this like ridiculous pace and like looking all sorts of frazzle and like it feels like that's the cowboys offense sometimes like no dude just be cool just like be chill you know what i mean like be be silky smooth but like they for whatever reason they won't like to your point they won't get out of their own way and it's like you know it's easy to say like just just be the best version of yourselves um, and I don't know why they, they can't. I mean, you know, it's it's frustrating. I, I did want to get your thoughts on Micah Parsons, uh, because a, a subject in, in Cowboys Nation right now is like, are we worried about him? Like, even if the worry is one percent, like he's been a little quiet for his standards, which are inordinately high, obviously. Um, but he's been a little quiet for two straight weeks. He had the Jalen Hurts comment that everybody took out of context, or not out of context, but just kind of ran away with. Um, are you at all even one percent? Not even worried, like just interested in what's happening with Micah Parsons not really I think Micah Parsons is one of if not the best defender in the NFL right now who's healthy Aaron Donald isn't healthy Micah Parsons is right there when it comes to impact on the game when it comes to talent I just think the Cowboys are so interesting when it comes to health and development when it comes on the defensive front because because Micah Parsons is so good at being an edge rusher, you don't want to move him off of edge rusher, but he also can play off ball linebacker. So it right. kind of creates this like, hey, if an off ball linebacker gets hurt, just move Micah back. But the thing about Micah Parsons is he's probably a good off ball linebacker. He's an elite edge rusher. That drop off from elite to good is still pretty stark, especially when you have to move Micah Parsons back and you're starting a guy like Sam Williams, who I think has been good in rotational duty. I think he's a fine rotational pass rusher, but I don't think he's ready to be a full-time starter. So it just depends on how healthy the Cowboys defensive front is because it kind of hurts Micah Parsons to have that versatility that he has because Dan Quinn just be like, hey, go play off-ball linebacker this game and we'll figure it out. But that's when the Cowboys are at their worst defensively, when he's not going after the passer and he has to – stack and react and read all this stuff happening sometimes his eyes lie at off-ball linebacker and you really have to worry about your eyes lying as an edge rusher you just go get after the quarterback Mm, that was beautiful um i think you've earned a lot of fans uh from cowboys uh fans listening to jp um jp is on twitter at acosta32 underscore jp he once told me that his huddle highlights um are somewhere deep in the annals of um of twitter so you can go uh, discover those JP and Mark Scope have done, have done an incredible job this season at covering the NFL as a whole at SB nation. You guys, what did, what did you write? I saw you ranked all of the bowl games by what, we ranked, what was the metric? We ranked all 43 bowl games based on watchability. So like, well, like how do you define watchability? Like your personal level of enjoyment? Yes. If I want to watch it or not, it's, <laughs> it's, 
it took like a week of just going back through every game and every player who may or may not be playing. We came up with a pretty good list. It's pretty fun. You should definitely check it out. Got a lot of fun stuff cooking up this week too. What's um last one? What's an underrated bowl? You don't have to tell us like where it ranks on y'all's list, but what's an underrated bowl that like you're like, you know what? No, people aren't talking about this one. An underrated bowl. I forgot the I forgot the name of the bowl, but UTSA okay. and Troy are playing in a bowl game, and it is probably going to be one of the best bowl games that have been played this season. They're both the UTSA is Conference USA champion, who's really, really, really good. Like that is a really fun football team. If you want to go watch offensive fireworks, Frank Harris, Zakari Franklin are awesome. They're going up against Troy, who are the Sun Belt champions, and they're pretty much the direct opposite of UTSA. Their defense is extremely fun to watch. Carlton Marshall, he just set the record for career tackles, like as an NCAA player ever. Most tackles in a career. He's also like 5'9". So he's like a little tiny dude, but he's making every tackle everywhere. So it's just going to be such a fun game to watch, see these two offenses, see these defenses go up against each other. And just see some real fun impact plays from a group of five conference that probably should have been in more consideration for a New Year's Six. I think Troy and UTSA both had a really good shot of being the group of five champion to go play USC, which would have been really cool. But either way, they're playing now. It's going to be really fun to watch. Jeff Taylor has really turned the Roadrunners around in just like a handful of years. So uh, very cool, very underrated bowl. A lot of people would have taken some low-hanging fruit. Not you, JP. That's why we love you. Uh, JP is going to have all sorts of NFL draft coverage as well at SB Nation once we get to that time of year. So like I said, go follow him on Twitter at Acosta32 underscore JP. Uh, last one. I said that was the last one. Um, what is your favorite food? Favorite food is pizza. It really oh, doesn't matter. that one. Kind of- Really yeah. doesn't matter what kind of pizza. I'm a huge pizza guy. I if you can order or like DiGiorno's, like sometimes DiGiorno's hits. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you're in that mood. Yeah, sometimes a, the DiGiorno's pizza really it really hits the spot. But I'm definitely an order out guy. I think when I was younger, my parents would try would make pizza, and we like have Ooh. we get the flour and the dough, we roll it out. It'd be this really cool process. I felt like Remy from Ratatouille when I was just making the pizza and stuff. So sometimes I'll do that occasionally, but most if it's pizza, I'm probably going to eat it. Awesome. Uh, JP, uh, love you so much. Wish you um, nothing but greatness except for Sunday, some sports sadness. That's all. Uh, thank you for hanging out with us, and uh, we'll talk next time. All right. Want to give a big time shout out, a big time thank you to JP Acosta for taking the time to join us. Very cool, very fun conversation. Cannot wait to poke JP's brain when we get to the draft part of the calendar, but hopefully that is a very, very long time from now. Um, I think the Cowboys win. You know, we'll handle official predictions and things like that um, over on the site as we get a little bit closer to game day. Today is only Thursday, and I'm actually recording this on Wednesday around lunchtime. Uh, but um, I, I think the Cowboys win. I, I think that they maybe calm us down a little bit. And I think that we set ourselves up for a really fun week uh, heading into the Christmas Eve matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. Whether or not that has the exact ramifications that we wanted to remains to be seen, obviously. I've said this many times already, you know, just over the last couple of days. If the Cowboys beat the Jaguars and if the Chicago Bears somehow shock the world and beat the Philadelphia Eagles, it will set up one of the most anticipated NFL games in a very, very long time with the Eagles visiting the Cowboys next Saturday afternoon, Christmas Eve, the division on the line, first place in the NFC on the line. But again, the Bears have to do their part to make that be the case. Um, So I'll take the Cowboys in Jacksonville on Sunday afternoon. Um, I wrote about this. I did a little bit of an Instagram thing and a reel and a TikTok and all this stuff about it. You got to be everywhere. You know what I mean? You got to be everywhere these days. All right, kids, I see you. All right, I'm trying to keep up with you guys. Uh, But um, 
this would be the Cowboys' first win ever in Jacksonville. I know that sounds silly, and, and maybe you didn't know that. I find that to be wild. I find that to be just amazing. And it's not like the Jaguars have been around for a long time, obviously, an expansion team in the mid-'90s. Um, but the Cowboys have, have never won in Jacksonville specifically. Now, they have only ever played two road games. I used air quotes there against the Jaguars, uh, the most recent of which was in 2014, and that game took place in London. Shout-out, of course, to Des Bryant. So that means Dallas has only truly visited Duval County one time, uh, as I mentioned to, to JP, the 2006 season opener, Terrell Owens's debut with the Dallas Cowboys. So, um, hey, let's go ahead and do it. This has been, look, if the Cowboys clinch a playoff berth, whether it's this week or, or whenever it ultimately does come, the Cowboys are going to be a playoff team in consecutive seasons for the first time in 15 years. 2006, actually, that, that 06 season, um, and 2007 were the last two years of the Cowboys were playoff teams back-to-back. Um, ever since then, it's kind of been in-out, in-out, you know what I mean? Just kind of a, a, a hopscotch sort of thing. Um, this past week, the Cowboys won their 10th game of the season, giving them double-digit wins in consecutive seasons for the first time since 1995 and 1996. We obviously talked about that a year ago. Bear wanted to be a part of the show. So we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Cowboys win. Beat the Jaguars. Love you all. Uh, We will see you manana, my friends. As always, go Cowboys and peace out.